What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Buffalo Beat, and we are recording here in Matthew Fairburn's luxurious hotel room in downtown Indianapolis. It, uh, I don't know they gave rock star treatment to podcast hosts, but here we are. You know, some of us are platinum members <laughs> at these Marriott chains, and so when you check into the Fairfield Inn, they automatically just they give you they roll out the red carpet for you and not all of us who host this podcast are platinum members but one of us is so (laughs) we're able to have this beautiful recording space (laughs) yes and uh i i am very jealous of all the surroundings he has a a corner to turn around to get to his main door it's uh it's luxurious the lap of luxury here at the fairfield so man Big living, but we are here in Indianapolis because of the NFL scouting combine and now a few days into it where uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. So the workouts, the on-field workouts have yet to start, but it was important to go through because the most important part of the week from a Bills perspective in terms of what the public consumes is what they say. And it's probably going to be the last time we hear from both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott ahead of the start of free agency and certainly ahead of the potential CBA being ratified and there were a lot of layers to to that conversation with how they could approach the offseason specific decisions that um, that they need to make how they play the free agency versus draft potentially resigning their guys there's there's a lot to chew on so i guess we'll just and we we have a post about this but i I think this is a good time for a broader sort of sort of look at it if you had to think back what was the the first thing that really stuck out like a sore thumb with with those media sessions for some reason and i don't know why it is but i keep going back to what Brandon Bean said about the timing of extensions. And we touched on it a little bit in that post uh, up on the on the athletic right now. But he, you know, going back through their recent history and when they've extended guys, you know, Brandon Bean talked about doing it after the draft, which makes sense. Things slow down. But also that shows you that they don't let guys run through the final year of their deal that often and they haven't I can't think of any examples off the top of my head of guys like that who they've brought back. Mm-hmm. And that makes you wonder what's going to happen with Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. I think at this point it looks like Jordan Phillips is going to price himself out of Buffalo. Um, you know, from everything uh, you hear about, you know, his market at the moment, Shaq Lawson haven't heard much on. Um, they, you know, they've been fairly quiet. They were open to bringing him back. But he's been looking for that that second contract. So this is the, you know, it, it's interesting to hear Brandon Bean talk in those terms about, you know, when he looks to extend guys. And it might be a clue about, you know, when the extensions for Dawkins and Milano uh, and Tredavious White and possibly Jordan Poyer, you know, guys like that. It's, it's a clue to the timing of that. Mm-hmm. But it also might be a clue to what's going to happen here in free agency and what's going to happen with their own guys. Uh, the deadline is is fast approaching. We've talked about you know the CBA and how that could impact things. 
Uh, it's looking like there's a chance that there'll be a new CBA by the end of the week, which would probably help the Bills at least this know what they're doing. This could sound extremely dated within two hours. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. It could be, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, there could be a new CBA or the whole thing could have blown up. Yep. So uh, either way, it's ha- Brandon Bean didn't sound overly concerned about that end of it. It sounds like they've got one plan for if it's one thing one for if it's another and it's not drastically different plans it's not well we're not going to sign matt milano because there's a new cba it's just about how they structured things so yeah all of that a lot of moving pieces with this team and i you know i think the other thing that you know keeps rattling around my noggin this week is is cody ford uh and just you know the how big a domino yeah he could be for totally. the rest of their their offseason plans yeah i i'm right there with you with the the whole timing of extensions because Brandon Bean did not really make it uh, make it a point to say hey yeah we we like to do this stuff it, he's like it's it is a sprint until the draft is over which basically makes me think that well he probably has it right in the back of his mind it's not something he's actively pursuing because think about what he's doing right now I mean he. Ahead of the combine, he was making sure he had all his work done on all the guys that are going to be working out, um, getting all of his scouts and and all of his personnel people all their ducks in a row, so that way they would be able to operate at the combine efficiently enough. Then they have to go through and do forty five of these of these interviews throughout throughout the time. Then they go through and do the workouts while at night probably talking to agents of their own guys and prospective free agents and to try and get a gauge for what they might be able to do in free agency. And then from from that point, trying to plan over the next two weeks about how they will attack free agency. And then after that's done, you get right back into the draft. So it's, there's not like there's, by going to people's campuses, pro days, um, bringing prospects in for their 30 interviews that it's very time consuming so it's almost as though if they get one of those done it almost seems like it would be kind of a minor miracle that the 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 person that they're extending is probably going all right we'll we'll, we'll just we'll just take whatever and they'll be like okay sure we'll, we'll sign here but if it's going to be a hardcore negotiation that's kind of a tough thing so i would not at all expect milano dawkins and certainly not Tredavious White, not at least until the CBA is signed, until he knows what he could, his earning potential could be. I'm not expecting any of those things to get done. If the CBA gets done, then I think Tredavious has the potential of getting done by the time the new season rolls around. But I, I don't think that window is anytime soon. And then to your Cody Ford point, it, it, that's exactly right. I mean, what are they going to do with him? Because, you know, while Ford... He looked okay at times at tackle, but I mean, I'm just even going back and looking back at the the preseason game he played at guard against the Colts, and then when he when he switched over to right guard when John Feliciano went down with a neck injury against Cincinnati, played 55 snaps there. He showed some potential there, and it's like, all right, well, what are you, what are you going to do with this guy? You, sure, he could play at tackle, but where's he going to be better? And that's something that they have to answer, and they can't just force him a tackle if that's not his optimal spot because 
know, I think that would be a little irresponsible if they, if they put him there just because they can't address uh, an offensive tackle spot. Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about which one has to come first. Is it dominoes have to fall in free agency in the draft, and then you decide what Cody Ford is, or do you decide what Cody Ford is and then fit the pieces in around that vision and around that plan? And I think that is probably what you should be doing. This is a known commodity. He's on your roster. He's been in your building for a year. You know who he is, what he does well, what he doesn't do well. I don't, and I've said all along, I don't think it has to be a case where it's Cody Ford is a guard and Cody Ford is a guard forever. He mm-hmm. could be your starting left guard and your backup right tackle. You know, he could do some different things. I think that is a somewhat valuable trait, that versatility and that flexibility that they like. But I do think picking his spot and figuring out the rest of your plan, if you can get one of these high-end offensive tackles at 22, mm-hmm. that, you know, you should be open to that. And I think that means making a decision on on Cody Ford. They're not in such a position where they could, you know, Ty Inseki is a good player, played well last year. And I think... Yeah, he's old. Um, you know, he's not the future at the position. But you can get by with him, and that means you don't necessarily need to wait until you see how things pan out in free agency in the draft to decide on Cody Ford. You can decide that he's a guard and open up your options at tackle in the first couple of rounds, and do the same thing with that tackle that you did with Cody Ford last year. Sure, have him rotate with Ty Insecki and. Then you've got a starting offensive line of Deion Dawkins, Cody Ford, Mitch Morse, John Feliciano, and a rookie in Ty Insecki at yep. right tackle. It's not perfect, but it's not bad either. Or maybe you keep that rotation and you spend big money on a guard uh, in free agency. I don't know, but they do have to make up their mind. They're, they probably already have. Mm-hmm. They're just not, you know tipping their hand which is fine uh but their the offensive line needs to be better and they were a lot better last year but they were still below league average it's so. interesting you bring that up because when when bean was talking about the offensive line it, it differed a little bit from when from what sean mcdermott did and mcdermott several times i think he was asked about adding playmakers and then he's like well, we also need to protect. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, if that's at the top of mind of Sean McDermott when he's asked about playmakers and adding that to the offense. It's probably a good indication about what they're what they're potentially looking for in this year's offseason. And even McDermott said, we have a pretty good idea of where Cody Ford would be best. Uh, but they also don't want to put him into that spot right now because it really doesn't it doesn't make any sense to do it now because that would basically be saying, all right, Cody, we're moving you to guard. Well, actually, we didn't find a tackle, so we're going to need you to file those TPS reports right, and, and, exactly. and play tackle again. No, you, 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 can't, you can't do that to the guy. So they're and better that's off. That's why I don't know that right it now. needs to be. You need to know where and what you're willing to do with him before right. 
everything, but you don't need to broadcast it. And also, it goes back to what I said, where you don't need to say, all right, Cody Ford's now a guard. He'll never be a tackle again. There's yeah. been guys who have gone back and forth, and you know sometimes those are valuable pieces to have on your team. So there's that element of it too. And, and you know I think there's they've probably got a few different plans in place uh, depending on whether you know what presents itself and the fact that he's able to do both gives them options and really they're it's going to go back to what they've they've always said is getting the best five guys on the field and that might mean moving Cody Ford if you want to keep him on the field Mm -hmm. and I think one of the important points for me today with 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 Cody Ford is thinking about what they're trying to do at offensive line because you know and ideally at offensive tackle you want a quick footed player and Cody Ford just really isn't that guy and if you look at one one guy I follow I brought this up to you earlier in the week I, I think he does a tremendous job with combine scores and um uh you know putting up workouts and comparing their relative athletic scores what he calls it it's uh, at math bomb his na- math bomb his name is Kent Platt does a nice job um as a guard Cody Ford's relative athletic score was I think like a 6.3, 6.32 if I'm not, mis- not mistaken. Uh, on a 0 to 10 scale. On a right. 0 to 10 scale, yes. And at tackle, he was below 5. And the majority of guys that get drafted early and that have success at the tackle spot are usually like 8 and above. And that's that's like that's a huge drop off in in terms of in terms of that score. Uh, the exact our relative athletic score was four point four eight for him at tackle, which is well below. And just for uh, just just to show you like disparity here, Andre Dillard, who was drafted last year by the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, had a relative athletic score of nine point eight one out of ten. And so that shows the quickness, the foot quickness, um, in a bevy of different drills. It also brings into consideration height, weight, arm length, and how that uh, transitions to the position. It's deep in database where all of these different combine scores are logged. And I, I, it's not a perfect science, but I think it's a pretty good um, measurement of how to compare these combine guys and that just to me screams like not don't overthink it i mean if he's not if he doesn't have the feet quick enough to deal with quick defensive ends just slide him inside but you know that's that's something that they have to get to themselves and if if they are convinced he can be a tackle then prove it but if he can't then that's that's uh putting your young quarterback in a pretty tough spot yeah, i think the question that that those numbers bring up is and it's one that they need to answer and again it's why i say they should have these answers they've had them in the building for a year yeah absolutely the question is is he able to be developed are his limitations things that you can develop Uh, and this is you know sort of what we talk about with quarterback prospects sometimes is you know are are his deficiencies something that you can coach or are they you know, in Cody Ford's case, 
is it a matter of him not being quite the top end athlete he needs to be to handle quick guys on the edge or is it a matter of him catching up to the speed of the game and you know is it a technical thing i'm not an offensive line guru, mm-hmm. but that's the question they have to answer. They have mm-hmm. to say, is this a guy we can develop into a top end tackle? Because certainly you're a more valuable player if you're a really good tackle than a really good guard. But you're a more valuable player if you're a really good guard than you are if you're a mediocre tackle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they just have to determine his ceiling at both positions and, you know, kind of course correct from there because. He spent some time at guard last year, but he spent a lot of time at tackle. And if you're going to develop into a really good guard, you're going to need some practice time and and some you know legitimate meaningful reps to do. Absolutely, it. I think if if there is one encouraging sign, if they were to move him, it's that he did look extremely comfortable doing it. And the few reps that he actually did, I think it was one week in training camp, and then. Uh, had the game and then that Bengals game I talked about so yeah that's that's one of the biggest things that have to fall and it, it's just it was so interesting that McDermott just kept bringing it back to the offensive line um, and you know because everyone wants to talk about wide receiver wide receiver if if the Bills think Ford is a guard then tackle is in play at 22 it is very much in I play think tackle is very much in play for sure yeah and Part of it just has to do with how good this class is. Yeah, right. There are a lot of really good offensive tackles, and that might be where the value is there at 22. Um, you know, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. He's got the wrestling background. Oh, when you, you told you me got, that, I'm like, come on. You got you to gotta think that that's uh, an Iowa guy that was a wrestler. I mean, man. Yeah. That's just, uh, that's just Sean McDermott's dream right there and <laughs> you've got uh the louisville guy i'm not mckay becton mckay becton yeah i wasn't sure how to pronounce his name yeah that guy is a freak of nature uh pushing you know he's a he weighed in at 364 he's like i think i think it's a good weight i'd like to get down to 355 oh <laughs> he can move yeah. at that size too so He's an interesting name. Uh, he's somebody that I would assume will, will shoot up boards uh, or probably already is higher than people think he is. But, yeah, just I think there's some, you know, interesting interesting guys that uh, make a lot of sense at 22, and a lot of it is sort of assuming that they go with, with Cody Ford at guard because these, these tackle prospects are – there's – how, what do you think? Seven, eight tackle prospects better than Cody Ford was a year ago? Probably. Uh, I mean, I haven't watched them too closely just yet, but I, I think there's at least five. The Worfs guy is interesting because there is some some people that wonder if he has the feet to play right tackle. So it's like okay, this, putting themselves in the same <laughs> right. Boat. Exactly. They'll be moving him into guard next year and drafting another one. <laughs> but what about a guy like Josh Jones from Houston? I mean, that's someone who is an extreme athlete and he's not always uh he's not like totally um it doesn't have the same type of experience as a lot of these other guys but like he has the length he has the movement ability you can probably put him over to right tackle and then that way you don't have to worry about either side ideally 
potentially if if he hits. But if his if his relative athletic score is as good as I think it will be, then you have the type of athlete that can succeed at, at the next level. So, yeah, there, it it all depends again on what they want Cody Ford to be, and I think it would be slightly reckless for them to decide what Cody Ford is based on what they're able to get. I think they should be decisive with with what they want him to be. I mean, and to your point, they don't have to make the decision, okay, he has to be this the rest of his career. It would be nice for him because if he can settle in somewhere, then, heck, he can go on and let's say that they say he's a guard and he starts to thrive there. I mean, that's that's a potential guy that you bring back for the future. And the quicker that they have that answer, the better it is for them in the long run. But I just think they should have some sort of decision in mind. So so that way they're not just operating what they do on the offensive line willy-nilly based on the board. Um, If they think he's a tackle, then don't touch the offensive line in the first three rounds. I feel pretty strongly about that. They went out and signed Quentin Spain in April last year you know John Feliciano is going to be a starter next year they can start Spencer Long next year if they really want to I mean it's there's probably going to be a a bit of a drop-off from Quentin Spain but I mean he's he's under contract he's got experience didn't look he actually looked pretty okay uh when he was in for some injuries uh, when uh when the Bills needed a, a blow there but he he's a starting option or if you draft a guard in the fourth round. I've heard of guards in the fourth round coming in and starting in the first year. So if you think Cody Ford is a tackle, don't touch offensive line for, for the first few rounds. If you think Cody Ford is a guard, you better think about drafting a tackle at 22. It's that simple. Yeah, it's a position where you need typically, you know, you're talking about a top-end athlete. And those are the guys that come off the board first, mm-hmm. almost always. So I, I'm very much in the camp of offensive tackle at 22. I know it's not something that's very sexy, but it's something that would help this team. But also, let's not forget that if Ed Oliver didn't drop, Jonah Williams is a bill right now. Yeah, I mean, they and, were... And probably, probably playing and, right tackle. And Cody Ford probably isn't. Yep. So... They invested pretty heavily in Cody Ford, so they need to have a plan, mm-hmm. uh, and they can't let that, you know, second round pick go to waste. There, not just the second round pick; they also traded up to get him. So, it's a. I think it's you know, it's probably about time to to move him in inside. And the other thing that's interesting is. They won't be deep into the offseason program, but they will be back in the building for a little while before the draft. So, you know, Cody Ford kind of needs to know what he's, you know, what he's studying. Uh, and when he's mm-hmm. in the building, you can kind of, you can get him off to a start at guard uh, and, you know, get the ball rolling there before the draft if you make up your mind. So uh, waiting around to the draft is is a little bit of a long wait in, in terms of right. just the offseason season. Uh, schedule and everything yeah he's got to know i mean he, he should know and they should know i mean it's, it is a secret to us but it should not be a secret to them that's that's the biggest point about the, all this and it also influences their potential decision at 22 
And we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, a uh, message from our sponsors, DoorDash. Uh, DoorDash has something for every lifestyle. On the go with no time to waste, order pickup and pass the line. Having trouble organizing a meal with your friends? We make it easy with group ordering. DoorDash is more than just delivery. DoorDash brings all of America's flavors to your door. It's very easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 310,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities, so you might find a new favorite as well. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 U.S. states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. With DoorDash, you'll never have to worry about your next meal. And I would be lying, Matthew Fairburn, if if I didn't say that I looked into DoorDashing Steak and Shake while in Indianapolis. It, it, it might be a combine tradition. Who's to say? But uh, right now, our listeners can get... Did you look into it or did you do it? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. We were, we were at an establishment last night. I'm like, well, we could, we could DoorDash Steak and Shake. But uh, I'm going to decline. I'd say Joe's draft stock took a hit by not DoorDashing Steak and Shake. Well, that would have been an MVP move that would have had him shooting up boards. The com- you know, maybe if you had a suite... Well, you would have been living that door down. Always comes back to the sweet life with Matthew Fairburn. Uh, but right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BUFFALO. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BUFFALO. Don't forget, that's code BUFFALO for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And before we move on, I want to take a moment to tell you more about the great things going on at The Athletic. The Athletic is home to 400 of the best sports writers out there, covering every major team in every major league in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Now, just in Buffalo alone, we've got we've got a really fun group of writers. Tim Graham always puts out some thought-provoking pieces. Uh, John Vogel and Joe Yurden over on the Sabres beat, they they do a great job. They give you the knowledge of the game. They they have the experience of covering those teams and always get you the inside scoop. And, um, you know, personally, I, I like the Premier League quite a bit, and I follow Arsenal. So they uh, James McNicholas just posted a great story on Matteo Guendouzi, their 20-year-old uh, midfielder. And that, that was a really fun read today while going on with all the combine madness. But that's the type of stuff stuff you can expect from the Athletics. So, Simply put, we have the best sports newsroom on the planet, but you don't have to take my word for it. You can see for yourself by signing up for a free trial. Head to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat to save 40% on an annual subscription. That works out to $3 a month for total access to some of the best sports coverage in the world. What are you waiting for? That's theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat to save 40%. And of course, you'll get to read the melodic tones of Matthew Fairburn on The Athletic as well. All right, so 22nd overall is severely impacted by the Cody Ford decision, right? And part of that is because you have this ongoing discussion about what is best to do with wide receiver and also with the impending idea that you need to add an edge rusher as well. Because if if we had to kind of concoct the top three needs right now it would probably be offensive tackle 
if they are moving Cody Ford inside. Edge rusher and wide receiver with the cursory of safety slash cornerback, a defensive back. I think that that is probably the order of operations there. Especially in the early rounds. I yeah, think, exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah, I think running back is definitely on the table. Yeah, but free I agency, I think, as but well. But I don't think it's an early round need by any means. Right. Uh, and, and I think they know that. And yeah. So you could say, yeah, I would, I would agree with your your rundown there. Uh, and I've batted around ideas for all of those positions. I've sort of avoided going wide receiver um, because I just think the draft is so deep there. And they've done their homework and met with a lot of guys at the combine that, mm-hmm. that are those high-end prospects at the position. But it's it's going to be a weird dance to play, you know, figuring out the value there. Um, another position I'll throw out there. Well, we're on early rounds. Yeah. So I don't know if I'll – but just throw it out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a quarterback. Uh, later, a, but yes. a later yeah. developmental guy um, to back up Josh Allen. You've got Matt Barkley, who's fine as a backup. He's not a world beater by any means. Davis Webb, not really your ideal developmental guy to have as your mm-hmm. number three. So I wouldn't be surprised. You saw them, you know, bring in Tyree Jackson last year. I think it's it's good practice to draft rounds four to seven. They've got, you know, a lot of picks in those rounds to roll the dice on a quarterback and, and see what see what you can get. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm with you there. It, that's that with a running back later. Heck, I even think they should think about doubling up on wide receiver with, and with I how, think they with how could. good this class is. I think they could, you know, the the homework that they've done is not uh, exclusive to the top end guys, the mm-hmm. name that I brought up to you off air that they've you know sniffed around on is Donovan Peoples Jones from Michigan. Yeah, that tier of receiver is very much in their wheelhouse. That you know fifth round guy that can be you know another guy to to throw into the competition. They need depth there as much as anything. So mm-hmm. uh, I think two receivers is a possibility. A running back is a possibility late. Uh, a quarterback, we're not talking, you know, Tua or Joe Burrow, but, um, you know, Jalen Hurts would be an interesting one. How about uh, how about uh, Jake Fromm on day three, or if, if he's around there? Small hand guy, though. Small hands. Gotta Jalen watch, Hurts. Watch out. Jalen Hurts. Experience with Brian Dable. True. And Brian Dable likes him some Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so, true. Keep an eye on that name. Uh, they'd have to. They'd probably have to do it a little bit earlier than they'd have to do it a little earlier than if he continues to trend the way he has. Uh, yeah, they might have to to you know pick him a little higher than uh, they would want. But um, certainly, Dayball loves him, and mm-hmm. you know that's that carries weight. He he's got a voice in there. So yeah, it's funny. You could practically go through the the whole roster and depth chart and there's not that many positions where they're going to avoid it so mm-hmm. uh there but in the early rounds i do think it's probably limited to offensive tackle defensive end wide receiver and defensive back yeah and well, i mean let, let's let's flip it over to edge rusher because that was kind of a, a talking point with both sean mcdermott and brandon bean and bean 
went as far as said, yeah, I don't care if we were signed Jack Lawson. You know, if if there is an impact guy, that's one of those positions you just take if if the right guy is on the board because you know they it is arguably behind quarterback the second hardest position to fill in the NFL. I don't know if you agree with that, but the trying to find those guys and even the first round, it's not always guaranteed that you that you hit on the guy just because you take him there. But for as difficult as it is to hit on a edge rusher in the first round of the NFL draft, it is infinitely harder to hit on a, on an edge rusher outside of the first round. I mean, over the last five years, I I found six guys over five drafts that have made an impact on their team. And by impact, I mean, you know, Max Crosby I lumped in there last year because he had 10 sacks for the Raiders. But outside of him, the other guys were guys that were that have made the Pro Bowl outright. Yannick Ngakwe, Frank Clark. Um, Both second rounders. Yes. No, Ngakwe was a third rounder. You're right. Yeah. But uh, Frank Clark was a second rounder, right? Yes. Yes, he was. He was a late second rounder. Chase Winovich was a pretty good find for the Patriots yeah. in the third round last year. I would say... It's increasingly it's, difficult. It's, one, it's rounds one through three, sometimes four. I think I read the stat on the podcast last week. You might be able to pull it up uh, from that story I wrote on Daryl Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- when I was doing that story, the you know one of the points I was making in there was that if he is a good find, Daryl Johnson that is, he will be an extreme outlier uh, over the last couple of decades. If you look mm-hmm. at the all-time sack list, most of those guys were drafted in rounds one through four. It takes a a special set of athletic traits to play that position. You have to be a really good athlete, and you don't find really good athletes that late in the uh, in the draft. Now, Daryl Johnson, that's what makes him interesting, is because he is that type of athlete. Happened to be a, a you know a small school guy. Uh, little bit undersized but you know he's definitely uh he's definitely somebody that that has at least those explosive traits so mm-hmm. it is an early round thing and, and sometimes it's a round one thing like it, it's it usually it, needs yeah. to be like you can get the occasional guy uh in rounds two and three and we've seen that the last couple of years i devin singletary was great and he will most likely only get better from here but Chase Winovich was on the board, and I thought that would have been a great pick last year. That was one that I sort of questioned the moment and had nothing to do with Singletary and how good mm-hmm. he was because I, I thought he'd be a pretty good player, and, and he has, he's been better than I thought he would be. Uh, but a pass rusher like, like Winovich was, uh, was a need. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can second-guess picks all, all day long. But the, I, I bring up Winovich to say it – last year happened where one of those guys was undervalued to the point where he was sitting there in the third round. Yeah. Um, I think for their purposes with how much they need to look to the future with pass rusher, if they're going to do it, they got to do it with a pretty substantial pick. And that's to me, one of the first couple of rounds and, you know, if not 22, either dealing back, if you miss out on that first tier of guys, like, 
uh, Chason or Epinesa, um, and you want to move down in the order to try and scoop up a guy for a better value and, and get a later pick, or you pick a different position at 22 and you move up from 54 to get your guy. And, you know, there, there are some names out there. I mean, Terrell Lewis is someone that is fascinating to me. I have no idea where he's gonna, going to go in the draft, but he flashes top 10 ability and he's like the prototype. I think the, um, the way it was put with him is that he was basically built in a lab um, for what you want from a prototypical pass rusher, like 6'5", super long arms, like 260, uh, just, just, uh, and just a complete speed off the edge, but complete, completely inconsistent. And only one year of production because of some injury concerns. So uh, that's kind of a fascinating to guy, guy to me. But a lot of this projection base, and the one guy that always pops up when you talk about Terrell Lewis and who he compares to based on his role as a draft prospect is Danielle Hunter. Danielle Hunter was a huge risk, and that's one of the the post-first-round guys I was talking about. Huge risk because a severe lack of production. You didn't know what you were going to get. There had to be some development and projection involved. But if he hit, holy crap, is he going to hit? So Lewis is fascinating to me. Um, I'm, I like Jonathan Greenard, too, if, if they're going to like uh, move up from 54. I think he's someone that has some speed off the edge. One guy I'm, I'm just... I think I'm out on is Yeter Grossmatos. And he's got a just a frigging heartbreaking story. Do you know his do you know his story? I do not. Okay, so um, our Penn State beat writer, Audrey Snyder, wrote an incredible piece on him. Um, his biological father drowned while trying to save Yeter Grossmatos when he was only two years old. And then when he was playing baseball in 2009, a lightning strike during a Little League game killed his older brother. Like, it just heartbreak after heartbreak wow. for this guy. Yeah, and it, I, I encourage everyone to read it. I've got a, um, a story running down some of the defensive end prospects the Bills could be looking at, and I link to that story if you, if you need to go find it. Um, but I encourage the read. But that said, from an on-field perspective, when I watch him, I'm like, how is he different than Jack Lawson? And he doesn't have that explosive ed, edge step. And I think that's one thing the Bills are lacking right now. And I think that's what they should try to find if they're going to strike for an edge rusher. Yeah, Jerry Hughes has it, but it's it's fading. Yeah, he's, he's in his 30s. Like he, the decline is coming. And I don't know if it's quite already started, probably. No, it's not. But I, like I don't think it is yet, but it's on the way. It's, it's there. You know, he's not, what, he's not at his peak anymore, mm-hmm. you know, um, but... It hasn't been a steep decline, but he's not at his peak anymore. And, yeah, Daryl Johnson's got some really interesting traits, but I don't think you can bank on no. a seventh-round pick no. you know, providing uh, a huge return on that investment. So I agree. They need, they need some sort of speed off the edge, and they were, in Carolina, big on investing in that early in drafts. So you would expect that, that they're – you know, it's past time for mm-hmm. them to to do that. They really haven't invested a lot in that position since taking Shaq Lawson in in 2016, and that wasn't 
these guys. So mm-hmm. um, it's been a while, and it, I think it's it's long overdue. Their pass rush has been uh, has been an area of concern for a few years now. The only exception I would make to not adding a speed rusher is if you get someone who just has a ridiculous, potentially game-dominating trait, and that would be A.J. Epinesa from Iowa and how strong he is and how he just makes offensive tackles look weak and just pushes them right into the backfield because that is also impactful because then you're pinning in the quarterback, then you're letting Ed Oliver go to work, you're letting the the left defensive end go to work as well. Um, so he's someone that's intriguing to me. And you're talking process guy? Oh, that's a process guy. Uh, our, our Iowa beat writer, Scott, I'm going to butcher his name, Doctorman, I think it is, um, he... Uh, went back into Epinesa's past, found some previous coaches, and Epinesa um, carries the reputation from Kirk Ferentz as a leader, a great teammate, and, quote, an unbelievable human being. That is, Bills put him right near the top of the personality board, uh, right there, just just an overall leader, and uh, he's someone that if he's there at 22 – I think they they have to think about it. I doubt Chason is there. I think there's a chance Epinesa is there at 22. Yeah, and if he is, I think he's he's very much in play. He'll be talking tomorrow. Yep. Um, all these right. guys are going to be talking tomorrow and starting to go through their their drills. This, that's another position where I do think paying attention to the on field drills is somewhat important. You very talk much about so. those relative athletic scores. Think about the three cone. Think about the 10 and 20 yard splits and the 40 yard dash. Those are important for edge rushers because you need to be able to bend. Uh, you need to be able to be explosive in your first step, and you need to be able to bend. And uh, the three cone, I think, helps um, determine which guys can do that quickest and uh, have that hip flexibility. So it's a big weekend for determining who falls into the you know the the baseline uh, thresholds at, at certain positions, and edge rusher might be tops on that list or if in epinesa's case rather than being able to bend it's being able to bend the offensive tackle backwards <laughs> which of, is also yeah. quite effective yes very very much so and think of the it's way it's hard to block when you're folded in half yes think of the way that the bosas win and they do win with some speed they they have better speed than epinesa does but that's like the the type of the type of game you're probably looking at i've, I've heard a frank clark comp to him and how he wins to Epinesa. So, uh, you know, the food for thought as you're going for it. Might lack that elite athleticism, but he does something at a borderline elite level. All right, so the combine, the workouts are about to get in full swing, and by the time we speak with you next, the, the combine will be all wrapped up, and we'll get a better idea of how these guys looked and trying to figure out who might have caught the Bills' eye, uh, and and certainly trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do in free agency. And who knows? We might even have a, a decision on that that uh, sneaky old CBA, which could impact things uh, quite a bit. I hope you have a sign-off prepared. I don't have a sign-off prepared, but I will, I will use my sign-off space to say that we still have time to get Michael Rodak on the podcast. <laughs> He's been kicking around Indianapolis. We may or may not have broken some bread with with Michael the last couple of days. It's, it's going to be our mission. Yeah, it's trying to 
I mean, he's he's got a he's, he's a got busy a, boy. He is a busy boy. I mean, Alabama has a lot of people here, and uh, yeah, he, he's on two a watch. He's, a, he's a little worker bee. Yeah, and then then he's got to watch the Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy uh, workouts tomorrow, and talk to Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings, and the work never ends for a Bama beat writer. Certainly not. All right, so we'll we'll work on that as we go. We've we've got one more day here in Indianapolis before we kick it. So it's going to have to be some quick work, but we'll try. We will we will effort as as one says. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you everyone for listening to the Buffalo Beat here on either the Athletic Podcast Network or on any one of the free avenues. Uh, we, at the very least, will be speaking with you next week to go over the combine, who stood out with the, the workouts, and start to really dig into free agency because uh, that's going to become the focal point once once this week wraps up. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Piscalia. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode, and we will talk to you sometime in the near future. See you then.